today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Zelensky is just getting his marching orders from the West. I mean, there are Ukrainians that are beginning to realize that he is destroying their country and he's just going to have a golden parachute and the U.S. will send the plane. When the last man falls, he'll be off to his house in Miami. Hey, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It's not going to be the apocalypse until 2025, so says Martin Armstrong, who's coming right on uh, up with me today. And I know you guys love him. You do not want to miss this. Uh, He has got lots of good takes on what is going on in the world and it it is a little bit crazy isn't it but hey Socrates uh, Armstrong's computer says 2025 eh, might be tough I don't know what do you think I apparently this computer knows a lot so you know I love to open my dad's Bible because this book knows a lot and my dad uh, he loved to um, to underline and mark and so I open it up today and guess what you know we've got all this stuff happening with China and Russia and the Ukraine we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Armstrong uh, about that but um, let's have a look my dad I open it up and it's kind of shocking so I open it up to uh, Jeremiah 6 22 and it says thus says the Lord behold a people comes from the north country and a great nation shall be raised from the sides of the earth. <sighs> I don't know what that means. So I am kind of thinking that uh, there's always been someone in the north that is coming. And so we've got a problem. I hope that we have peace. And I hope we don't have world war because it seems like we're getting kind of close to it. Let me tell you about my guest because he knows a lot more than I do about all of this. Uh, Martin Armstrong is an American self-taught economic forecaster and has been announced as one of the most famous people alive. And uh, Armstrong Economics offers a unique perspective intended to educate the general public and organizations on the underlying trends within the global economic and political environment. Our mission is to research historical cyclical patterns and market behavior in timing, price, and crisis to better understand and identify potential future trends using an extensive monetary database and advanced proprietary models. So we welcome you, Martin Armstrong. Thank you very much for gracing us with uh, your time today. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. So the world's heating up. Um, tell us about Socrates, uh, just for those who don't actually know. You have this computer, and hasn't it already predicted some amazing things, and it seems to be accurate, and we don't quite know how? Well, I mean, I... <clears throat> I was a programmer from, you know, basically from a teenager. And so I understood, you know, AI and and things of that nature. And I was involved with that back in the 1970s. So as a hedge fund manager, I saw how capital would move. And yeah, well, that's not quite AI, but uh, we were looking at, basically how capital moved and like in the 80s we were all there in in geneva that's dealing with the opec money and then the the money flows and everything was moving to japan that that peaked out in 89 and i began to see really that capital moved around the world uh and so did the talent 
And I would recommend, you know, you can read it online for free, basically, Herbert Hoover's memoirs. Uh, and look at chapter of 1931. And he was describing the same thing, that capital acted on a, like a cannon on a deck of a ship that was loose and shooting off in every which direction so fast they couldn't figure out where it was going. Uh, so Socrates basically <clears throat> um, began with just putting in absolutely every market in the world and letting it uh, ascertain where everything was moving. And uh, I, I came across, we had a client, Universal Bank of Lebanon, and they had found a, a book that had effectively, somebody read, wrote down the Lebanese pound back into the 19th century and asked if we could create a model. I said, sure, and they sent it over. We put it in, and the computer came out and said in eight days their country was going to fall apart. I thought something was wrong with the data, and I called them. I said, look, something's got to be messed up here, and they very calmly asked me, that, well, what currency would you recommend? And eight days later, that the Civil War began. Uh, the same thing happened with the Iran-Iraq War. Uh, the same thing happened with the collapse of Russia. Um, you know, there I had given a, a, a seminar in London in June of 98 and said, look, Russia is going to collapse. And I give it about 30 days. And that turned it out to be the long-term capital management crisis and everything else. And, you know, the, the London Financial Times had snuck in the back room. <laughs> And ended up putting our forecast on the front page. So then everybody kind of blamed us for it. But um, uh, <clears throat> essentially, if you know you're going to invade something, you're going to move your money in advance. And like I've warned that if China was really going to go to war with the United States, they're obviously going to sell off all the U.S. debt in advance. Uh, you're not going to hold the 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 debt and buying debt from the person you're, you know, against in war. So, I mean, it's, it's human nature, really. So Socrates is just able to monitor absolutely everything in the world. You know, it doesn't get tired at night, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's really what it does. And, and it has been remarkable. Um, actually, even <clears throat> I was surprised, but the, the one major media that actually called about our forecast, because, you know, we had put out in 2013 that uh, the war was going to start in Ukraine a year in advance and said that's where World War III will, will begin. And the only major media that actually called about that forecast was Russian Today. They said... You forecast this was all going to start a year in advance. I said, you know, that's what the computer came up with. <laughs> um, <clears throat> mainstream media in the West, they don't want to hear it. You know, they basically want to keep, you know, get they get their marching orders from a central command, you know. And um, <clears throat> I had published out on our blog and, and about six or seven months ago, and I said, look, our sources from um, – are saying that 100,000 Ukrainian soldiers are already dead. Immediately people were, oh, that, you're just putting out Russian propaganda. And then <clears throat> what happened was the head of the EU actually came out and said that. And then Zelensky made her take it out 
but I mean, our sources now are saying that over 200,000 have died. And uh, that's why they're in their like sixth recruitment. They're drafting people from 16 years old up to 60 years old. I mean, it, Ukraine is losing and that they want to keep per, pretending that Russia's losing so that people keep sending money and they're willing to fight for Ukraine, etc. Uh, this is all just, you know, what happens in war is the first thing, the first victim is always truth. Both sides will lie all the time to support whatever they're doing. I'm, I'm really what we have to deal with. Right, right. And I, I'm so shocked that so many Republicans are actually supportive of this, uh, you know, mission in helping the Ukraine because this guy's a pretty crazy guy. I mean, uh, Zelensky comes off, you know, he's always got his like hoodies on uh, to meet the president. That was weird. And then, you know, he's always down dressed like, oh, I'm super cool guy used to be an actor. And now, you know, pr played a, a president in a movie. And now I'm I'm the president, but um, he has done very terrible things. He's shut down churches. Uh, he is not really for freedom. And I, I'm in shock that the there's such a lack of discernment. But of course, this entire last three years has shown us the lack of discernment in the world. Well, <clears throat> Zelensky is just getting his marching orders from the West. I mean, there are Ukrainians that are beginning to realize that he is destroying their country. And he's just going to have a golden parachute and the U.S. will send the plane. When the last man falls, he'll be off to his house in Miami. Um, you know, he's, he's basically just destroying his own country and he doesn't care. Uh, you know, in, in any war you want to look at, World War I, World War II, whatever, you'll find that the number of civilian deaths usually are twice as many as as the army. Uh, and nobody wants to talk about that. You know, but, you know, the, the carnage in, in Ukraine against civilians, this is absurd. And you have, you know, Biden's secretary of state actually coming out and saying there'll be no peace talks whatsoever. We're not giving up any land as if this is his country. Um, I mean, this is all a proxy war against Russia, period. They blew up the, the pipeline. And you have to understand, the neocons, uh, from the very beginning, when the, when the trade agreement was signed in 1958 for gas from Russia to, to Germany, they were against it all the way. They put in sanctions that nobody was allowed to give pipe to Russia to, to complete the pipeline. Uh, they have sanctioned everything. Biden put in sanctions on Russian gas in 2017, 2019, and 2020, all before the Ukrainian war. The Ukrainian war has just been the excuse. Um, and this has been an objective all along. And you, you have to understand the neocons. And <clears throat> I'm doing a report uh, on them. But they have this crazy theory. They're, they're not much different than Karl Marx. Marx thought that communism, we can take over the whole world and everybody will you know, have utopia. They think, and they, they call it democracy, but we don't live in a democracy. Um, <clears throat> and they like proposed 
that going into Iraq and will free the people from Saddam Hussein and they'll they act as if they'll get you know a ticker tape parade and, and thanked and more civilians died afterwards and then they you know Tony Blair even came out and you can Google that his apology and explains we didn't really have the the uh, you know the intelligence was all wrong and they misjudged what would happen afterwards. Um, you know, so many civilians died in sectarial wars. You had ISIS coming in. I mean, it, this is all crazy. Uh, and they're doing the same thing again with Russia. <clears throat> you know, they keep telling themselves that Putin's this dictator, blah, blah, blah. And we go in there and the Russian people will, will cheer. And they're not. I mean, this is just absurd. Do you think that we're we're really being pushed into uh, a major war. Uh, when you say that uh, Zelensky is sort of destroying his country, well, Biden's destroying his country. Trudeau is destroying our country. Uh, like this seems to be what, you know, a global uh, agenda. Yes. I mean, if you look at um, <clears throat> Klaus Schwab's uh, points, all right, and <clears throat> He even says in there in, in his eight forecast that democracy uh, has, is no longer valid. We'll retain our rights. But, you know, ever since Trump was elected <clears throat> and you can look on our side, we put in there a, an opinion piece from the London Financial Times uh, from Davos. They were all upset because suddenly they realized that people could vote them out of power. And that's when all of a sudden democracy suddenly became populism, evil populism. And ever since uh, 2016, this agenda to eliminate democracy so these people don't lose power. And that's really what this is about. And, you know, they say we live in a democracy, but we do not. Do they, anybody comes and say, you know, we have a right to vote. Shall we go to war or not? No, they just do that. They draft people, send us over to die, and nobody has a right to object to any of this. That's not democracy. That's a dictatorship. And they want to you know, pretend that <clears throat> the same thing. With They go, oh, this is a democracy against authoritarianism. Why? Because, oh, Putin is elected by, the, by their parliament. Well, so is the head of the EU. They don't stand for elections. So is Trudeau. I mean, uh, you don't vote for the head of, 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 of any of these countries, China or, or Japan or whatever. The United States does. But a parliamentary system, the party votes for whoever they want to lead their party. The people have no say in that. The head of the EU is appointed by the other heads of of. The member states, they don't stand for election ever. So I don't see where we, you know, we have this this pretend propaganda that we live in a democracy when we do not. Right. They, they decide what they want. And that's why, in all honesty, that's why, you know, <clears throat> Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon. Um you know, the, the real true story of that, it was a major debt crisis we had, he's the one that revised the, the calendar. Why? Because the high priest used to put in the days for leap days. So they would bribe him. So when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, basically 
according to the calendar, it should have been winter, but it was really summer. I mean, it was that messed up. So that's why we have the Julian calendar. Uh, he went in and standardized everything to eliminate bribing the high priest. I mean, that's how bad it was. And I, I wonder with this big divide that's happening, if that's why uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, is calling for a national divorce. She said, I'd like to play this clip and then get your perspective on that. In my life, in my world, I all of my friends are regular Americans. Everyone I talk to is sick and tired and fed up of being bullied by the left, abused by the left, and disrespected by the left. And our ideas, our policies, our ways of life have become so far apart that it's just coming to that point. And the last thing I ever want to see in America is a civil war. Um, no one wants that, at least everyone I know would never want that. But it's going that direction, and we have to do something about it. We're also a nation, a crumbling nation. We're a nation in distress. Our government is in complete failure, over $34 trillion. We are on the verge of default, and we have to do something about that. But that was the right and the left that did that to the American people on their own. But the Democrats never stop pushing their policies, their ideas, and their culture on Republicans and the right. And we are so sick and tired of it. We are tired of our children being taught ideas and ideologies in school that we do not want our children taught, like gender lies. We do not want our children um, being having their gender change or transitioned. We, we can't even have women's sports and privacy in our bathrooms. And women in prison can't even have spaces. ESG, environmental social governance, has completely taken over corporations. And this is a huge policy pressed on private businesses through the government from Democrats. If you're a white male today in the financial industry, you can forget it. You're a dinosaur. You're going extinct. No one should ever be hired by their skin color or their gender or, or Marjorie, how they identify. It should only be about your character and your ability to do the job. Okay, I'm not sure if you could hear that. Were you able to hear that? No, I couldn't. Okay, <laughs> so basically all the same thing. She's saying the the left has brought in all of this woke stuff. They've destroyed the country, $34 trillion in, um, in, in debt and on the verge of default, that the white male is now, you know, basically, you know, everybody's against the white male, so there's all of this, you know, it's completely racist against the white people. And uh, there was this young boy that was talking about that early this morning. I saw a video of it. It was just amazing. He's a young kid, and he, see, he quit his school. He actually said, I'm leaving because you are racist against me. And, uh, and then she's also talking about, you know, the gender wars, that we don't want our kids taught all of this gender nonsense, and you're just destroying the country with all of your, your crazy, unscientific nonsense. We're done. We want a divorce from it. Well, I mean, my assistant was telling me that some 31-year-old guy was walking around naked in, in the girls' locker room and says, well, he identifies as a woman today. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, this, this is just getting to be completely crazy. I mean, uh, I, I saw a joke that says Ohio is identifying as a province of Ukraine to get money now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Unlimited money at, at that right. matter. Un unlimited money. 
Exactly. So all of this is creating inner turmoil in the United States and in Canada as well. We've got the same basic problems going on, uh, sometimes a little bit of a different flavor, but yet it's still happening. All of it's still happening. And the whole world seems like on a destruction course and we're heading towards this nuclear war. And, and it is actually quite terrifying. And Biden, um, I mean, we just we know he's senile and it's sad and evident and I don't know how his family can tolerate him being put out in front of the cameras. It's so embarrassing. Well, you know, this is the, he's the perfect candidate for them. He just signs whatever they stick in front of him and he just reads from the, from the cue cards. That's it. Um, whether he even understands what he's saying is, is, is questionable. Yeah, you can but see the fear in people's eyes when he starts going off <laughs> on his own, you know. He starts giving some comment. You can see, like, you can see everyone's eyes just a little bit stressed on who knows what he's going to say. You know, and he's uh, he, he has all kinds of different stories that are verifiably not true. I mean, he's just talking nonsense. Look, this, this is – he's the perfect president for them. That's what they wanted. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, they, they went out of their way to make sure that they removed Trump uh, – because mainly Trump was <clears throat> against war. Uh, and, you know, as you know, I've, I've met probably just about every, you know, head of state around. I, I went to, um, to dinner at Trump's Mar-a-Lago back in March of 2020 when he was president. And that's when he actually said, which impressed me, he said that, uh, he wanted to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan. He said he was sick and tired of writing letters to their uh, parents of dead soldiers to say they died for God and country. And he said, he says, what are they dying for? What are we there for? They've been fighting over borders for thousands of years. What difference are we going to make? And the neocons immediately, like Bolton came out, oh, this is outrageous. All they ever want is war. That's it. Uh, and... <clears throat> Kennedy was against war. They took him out. Um, Johnson immediately took us into Vietnam. And you can even Google it. There was um, Project Northwoods. It, it's on Wikipedia. Um, it's been declassified. They actually wanted to kill Americans and blame it on, on Castro to justify uh, innovation. And Kennedy said, no way. Uh, so they took him out. They took Trump out. Anybody that's against war, they get rid of. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just it's just too coincidental. And, and this is these neocons. I'm, I'm telling you that it, their idea, it doesn't matter if <clears throat> uh, Russia changed, the communism failed. They didn't change their policies. Um, it, when... <clears throat> Uh, Reagan wanted to meet with uh, Gorbachev, and they were—they all were against it. They said, "No way, you can't trust him." Blah blah blah, everything else. And Reagan said, "No, I am going to go talk." And <clears throat> without that, you know, Russia wouldn't—you know—basically it collapsed. The USSR collapsed. Uh, the Berlin Wall came down. I mean. You follow their advice and nothing ever changes, uh, you know, other it's than we get sad war. And, and, and kind of shocking. I mean, who wants war? We all have children. We, we have lives and families and businesses and, 
And, and we don't want, like a, a normal person doesn't want all of this war and we don't want to lose our children for no good reason, you know? And it is very sad. It's, it's tragic. Uh, some, some veterans now saying this is not what we fought for. You know, this is not what my grandfather fought for. It's, uh, it's really shocking. Um, and I lost most of my high school friends to Vietnam. I mean, uh, I have one fellow that works for me that was in Vietnam, and he's just exactly what you're saying. You know, <clears throat> the tapes have come out from Johnson saying, well, for all I know, they were shooting at whales that night. We were never attacked. Um, you can Google that, you know, FDR, uh, he put in sanctions on Japan. And he did everything he could to get Japan to attack Pearl Harbor. Uh, and he had broke the code. <clears throat> there was a big Senate investigation on this. Did he know in advance? They just concluded, well, you know, we're not sure, you know, FDR knew ahead of time. Uh, he created World War, you know, that's how he got us into World War II. You look at the Lusitania, the same thing. Germany put out an ad saying they're using this to to sneak arms to uh, Britain. And U.S. said, oh, absolutely, that's ridiculous. They sank it, and now divers have found it, and it was loaded with arms. They have lied about everything. You, you, you take Iraq, uh, weapons of mass destruction. Um, there isn't one war that I can find that they ever you know, told the truth about other than maybe the civil war that we had and, and also the American Revolution. Other than that, no. I've been so shocked about uh, the information coming out about the FBI or CIA being involved with the death of JFK. Um, that must shatter Americans' trust in, in all of these people. You know, it's, they are... Um, what we call the deep state. I mean, these people will, they, they have an agenda and they do not want um, to be, you know, diverted and they will do whatever they, they can. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> um, they were supposed to release information on the JFK uh, and <clears throat> assassination they told Trump, look, uh, because of COVID, we need more time. So he gave them more time, he, they said, after the election. Uh, and he said, okay, fine. They knew he wouldn't win. And they had that all rigged. And as soon as Biden comes in, he gives them an indefinite extension. I mean, uh, you know, this is just the way it is. It's, you know, these people are against us, actually. Um and they have this agenda, and this is what, what always comes down. And you have people like Klaus Schwab with his vision of, of authoritarianism, and he's pushed this, you know, all, all around the world. Right. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to check with JT just to see, is, uh, are, is it okay to talk about the uh, January 6th on these platforms, or should we say goodbye? there's a couple more heavy topics, kind of. Sh should we just say goodbye? 
Yeah, okay. Um, we are going to just continue this conversation, but uh, to YouTube and Facebook, we wish you a fond farewell. Please go to uh, Rumble right now. We have lots of people watching on there. That is a great place for you to interact. Um, we just want to be respectful of the parameters of YouTube and Facebook because we don't want to lose our channels, but uh, we do want to speak the truth. And so the also the, the link to Rumble is right in the chat of YouTube. Um, so... Uh, it's kind of funny because we do have this clip, but maybe I won't play it now because you can't see it unless you'll just give us a moment. But it's basically um, the Dan Bongino show's ex-FBI assistant director doesn't want people to see the January 6th tapes due to conspiracy theories that may prove to be true, probably. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they, they don't want all of these tapes out. And somehow Tucker Carlson has gotten like a whole lot of video and he's going to be, you know, I don't know, maybe doing a documentary or releasing some of it. And they're worried that people are going to see a whole bunch of videos of nothing happening and that that is somehow going to just, you know, um, you know, spearhead all these conspiracy theories that it wasn't the insurrection day that they say it was. Well, it was. I mean, I, I did publish on our site. Uh, I was given, you know, uh, videos from inside and it shows like three guys dressed in black and masks and them yelling at them, uh, get them, get them. They're not, you know, and they said, no, 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 we're, we're and they just ran out the door. Um, they were clearly were there were other people there who were not, you know, January 6th people taking uh, selfies and get five years in prison for it. Right, and this Ray Epps character that seems to have been such a mystery and nobody charges him and he's, you know, seen there like, everyone head to the Capitol, you know? Look, this is, it was staged that way. They, they needed this to, the argument they were trying to do was this, they, they immediately called it an insurrection, all right? And the reason they chose that word is because the 14th Amendment after the American Civil War said anyone that was involved in an insurrection cannot run for president or hold a public office. So that's what they were trying to do to constitutionally prevent Trump from ever holding an office again. That's what the whole thing was about. Uh, and, you know, it was not an armed insurrection. I mean, that was you know, quite different than, than the American Civil War, you know, but, you know, you have to understand that, um, <clears throat> I mean, there are people that don't like Trump, fine, oh, he's this, he's, he's arrogant, whatever. I mean, you have to understand one thing, and it, it's the people in Washington do not like anybody coming into that city who's not one of them. Uh, I was there, and when Reagan won, they were beside themselves. They're like, "Oh, he's a governor. We have to. We're going to have to train him." They don't. It's, it's like you know, you, nobody else is allowed to play in their sandbox. You know, they have to be a senator or a congressman or whatever. If they're part of the of the the group down there, they don't really care. Uh, and <clears throat> there's really a a core unified um, political party between them. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton manufactured the Steele dossier. But who gave it to the 
you know, James Comey at the FBI. That was the Republican John McCain. The two of them worked together because if you just look at it, when Trump was elected in November, um, immediately what happened was uh, John McCain ran to Ukraine in December before Trump was even sworn in and said, we're going to give you all the money for this, you know, wage this civil war against the Donbass. Uh, you got unlimited funding. And then when he got back, he thought he would be able to manipulate Trump. And Trump said, no, I'm not supporting some war. <clears throat> I'm not going to do that. And that's why all of a sudden John McCain hated Trump. I mean, even at McCain's funeral, he says he did not want the president to come there to speak. I mean, he McCain was notorious for holding a grudge. Um <clears throat> I mean, I I was having lunch one time in, in, in Washington, and all of a sudden, I mean, this restaurant where all the politicians basically go, and right behind me, some guy starts screaming at the top of his lungs at the waitress. I thought she spilled something on him, like hot coffee or something. I turn around, it's John McCain complaining that his coffee's cold. I mean, very arrogant person. I, I mean, I was just like, forget it. Um I never had any respect for him, particularly after that. Uh, but, you know, these are what goes, this is, these are the people that you have down there. They get all wrapped up in themselves and they look down upon us as the dirt beneath their feet. Simple as that. It really is. And, and this is really, uh, we're heading into now uh, the beginnings of preparing for another U.S. election. And shockingly, they, they just must be losing their minds behind the scene because we got rid of him and he's back, you know? And, and he's probably going to have the successful nomination, I, I'm imagining. I don't know what you think. Uh, but, and, and I don't know if you know if DeSantis is throwing his hat in the ring or not. I thought I heard DeSantis was going to respectfully wait and then get his eight years after Trump, which would be a blockbuster, you know, good times for America for 16 I, years. I would like to see that. I mean, honestly, uh, from Washington, I was asked to get back into the political game. They asked me to, um, <clears throat> to talk to Trump uh, to get him not to run in 24. And they asked me if I would then uh, advise DeSantis. And I told them, I said, listen, I said, you get me back involved. I said, I'm going to tell DeSantis not to run. You know, stay here in Florida. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I said, oh, why would you do that? I said, because you people are going to eat him for lunch the same way you did to Trump. Um, right. and, and people don't understand. They, they pick the cabinets and they stuff them in. They told Trump, oh, you don't have experience. And they stuck John Bolton in, a real neocon and every one of them was stabbing Trump in the back. Every one of them. Um, horrible, because their horrible. loyalty is to, is to basically what Trump called the swamp, but it's really a cesspool. You know, um, I, I have to say I was kind of excited. So in the middle of the night, I was watching a bunch of movies. I wasn't uh, uh, video clips, not movies. Um, and uh, up came one of a recent interview with President uh, Trump. Um, and he was just talking about 
the vaccines. And I think that that has been one of the things that people have been so, you know, confused over. Like you're, you're amazing, you stood for our country, but you're the guy who brought these vaccines and now we're seeing sort of the numbers, uh, the, the worldwide death counts and, you know, some of the harm that's come. So people want to see him sort of renounce and step back a little bit from that. And for the very first time, I heard him in this interview last night and I kind of, you know, I kind of got my phone and I was trying to save it and I think I lost it. But he just said, um, you know, and we've had the vaccines and, and they don't work. You know, it hasn't worked. The vaccines haven't worked. And I was like, amen. The beginning of his, you know, basically he needs to take a little bit of, of humility in all of that. But nobody blames him. They blame Fauci. They blame the others who, you know, what does Trump know about vaccines, right? We blame Pfizer and Moderna and Fauci and the CDC and, you know, and also those who recommended that it was okay to pump these out before adequate trials. But I appreciate that he's beginning to get there. I think that will help with his base to be completely, um, you know, aligned with him. I, I hope so. I mean, even, you know, at the barbershop I go and there's, there's two elderly women there and both of them lost their, their son-in-laws in their 20s within a few weeks of being vaccinated. Uh, I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, the, the girl right next door to me, she is 27 and her and her husband already had COVID. Uh, but they had then had to get vaccinated to go on some family cruise. And the very next day they took her out of here in an ambulance, she almost died. Uh, I mean, I, I did not get vaccinated because I know government. <laughs> Once the government got involved saying I have to have it, I said, no way, because I know politicians. And it doesn't matter if it was good or bad. They will never admit a mistake. Period. Right. Once government got involved, sorry, you are you've surrendered to the other side. And if there's something wrong with it, you will never admit it. So, I mean, that's the whole problem. Government is supposed to be there to protect us, not joining and opening up its pockets and say, gee, how much are you going to give me? Um, and, and that's really what what happened. And I know somebody else that got seriously uh, ill after vaccinated, he went and thought he got the flu shot, and they, by mistake, they gave him the COVID vaccine. Uh, I mean, it's oh, <clears throat> it, it's just something at this point in time. I mean, I had my kids; we were everybody got their vaccinations. I wouldn't, not now. I mean, yeah. it's once government got involved, you know, you lose your independence, and they're when supposed to be the check and balance, and they're just not. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I think uh, American, uh, we have, um, well, I can't show it to you, but Rand Paul, uh, questions leader, uh, Dr. Zanton from John Hopkins University about why American universities require three vaccines, yet other countries' universities have no mandates. Um, our country, who is going to be responsible after they have forced all of these doctors, nurses, forcing the, the kids in universities in Canada here, forcing anyone, you know, young kids that want to be in soccer, 
to get the shots. And we're now seeing the deaths and we're seeing the deaths in the doctors. Uh, Dr. Mackis, William Mackis is reporting over 130 dead doctors now that were young, healthy people that uh, have died after basically after the third jab. It seems that most of the ones that have serious medical problems are the younger ones. The heart or whatever, um, it, it's just quite unusual. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, this is just, it, it's its really quite outrageous. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, anybody that, that, yeah, I mean, it's, look, this is, is <clears throat> it, it's inhuman to, to make this sort of thing. I mean, um you know, even in, in, in the abortions argument, they always, oh, my body, my decision. Well, okay, fine. But why doesn't that apply to vaccines? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we're heading up for this. Do you feel that uh, there's, um, okay, I want to ask you just about Biden too. I don't know if Socrates ever weighs in on things like that. But uh, I mean, how does Biden, how's he going to make two more years basically in, in the state that he's in, and uh, nobody likes Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. Um, so no, nobody wants her, not even the Democrats want her in. But that would, you know, that leaves him there like a, a puppet, I guess, for quite a while. And I guess he can just kind of be rolled in like we can at Bernie's and uh, fulfill his role. But it's just so, it feels like, I, I don't know how you guys feel down there, I mean, up here in Canada, we get a lot of protection from you, but uh, it feels like America is now very vulnerable to Russia and China coming together and being very angry at what Biden's doing. And nobody seems to be caring how close we are to war. Well, yeah, I know. It's uh, <clears throat> Nixon basically did uh, the best. He split them. Uh, and... I was a little, you know, quite concerned. I mean, I had um, actually invited Henry Kissinger to come down to speak at our conference when, you know, he came out and said that Ukraine should give back land. And all of a sudden he flipped and everything else. And then all of a sudden he canceled and couldn't come down to our conference. Uh, um, you know, it, it made no sense whatsoever. I mean, it, you, the Donbass has been an area that is Russian, in fact, right up to Kiev, um, up to the river. All of eastern Ukraine was the Russian empire of the czars. That's why there's Russians there, all right? Ukraine was never even a country before, all right? They, you know, they're involved with the Nazis because they supported Hitler and created all kinds of atrocities themselves. So so bad that they even shocked the, the, the German Nazis. Um, I mean, some of the accounts of what they did have been all documented by Poland, etc. I mean, um, they <clears throat> were just really quite ruthless and still are. Um, most of their, of the surrounding area, um, Montenegro, uh, Moldavia, Belarus, everybody that that effectively borders Ukraine, they hate the Ukrainians because they were all supporting Hitler. Um, and you know the the thing about Nazis is not not uh, propaganda. It's true. Uh, 
uh, <clears throat> it's all been well documented. Even the CIA protected them because simply that they were against also Russians. And um, that's been the agenda from, from day one. Uh, but you, what people have to understand, because uh, the way this propaganda has put it out, that as if you remove Putin and the world will be all better, and it's not. Uh, Putin is basically the moderate, and he is more of a historian and nostalgic, and that's why he's being criticized inside Russia, because Kiev is where the Russians began. That was the home of the Rus. And they were basically, their city was destroyed by the Mongols who came in in 1240. And then eventually they, they got back together and started Moscow afterwards. Um, so Kiev to him is kind of like nuking London to, to, to us. You know, it's the, that would be a real sacrilege. And whereas the, the hardliners who would take power, you get rid of Putin, they don't have that same nostalgic view. Um, they look at Ukraine and, and they've been pushing. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism in Russia that uh, he's been too soft that he told them to just, you know, defend the, the Donbass and not try to, to conquer the whole country. And whereas the military feels that they could have, if their hands weren't tied, they could have taken all of Ukraine in, in less than a couple of months. So th there's a real conflict still going on there. Uh, and you're coming to a point in time that our computer's been projecting which is this, you know, uh, late April into early May. And I'm concerned that if Putin is overthrown, I mean, you're going to get the next guy in line. He's, you know, just look at the, the reports. It's, it's always the second tier. They're coming out talking about nuclear weapons. Um, and the, the gist there that I've gotten is that they should basically just nuke Kiev uh, that's what the United States did uh, to Japan, and they feel that that would end the war, show the West to back off, and that but would that, it, wouldn't that happen, would be the resolution. That wouldn't happen, wouldn't would it? Wouldn't the United States then be enraged? All the people saying, "Look what he's done," and then who knows? I don't know if we've given away all of our. Um, equipment though because you know Biden keeps giving billions of dollars it seems and and all of some really you know uh, amazing weaponry has been given to the the Ukraine leaving America feeling somewhat defenseless in, in some cases look I mean this whole thing is just a absolutely absurd but um, they have given Ukraine double the amount of the military budget of Germany. Um, it's approaching 50% of what China spends on military and they're losing. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's, it's mind boggling. So what's your I mean, take on, on, uh, Putin? Do you think he, he felt, uh, that they were, um, coming too close to his borders or something and he didn't want them aligning with NATO, was it in the beginning? Um, 
and, and then if, it just kind of spiraled after that. Like Russia got upset and threatened. No, the, the West has choreographed this and they baited him to, to enter. Mm. You can look at it. <clears throat> Camilla went to the Munich Security Conference and she started it. She said, oh, Ukraine should join NATO. Then you can also Google it. You'll see on the Daily Wire, uh, Zelensky came out the day before on February 23rd and said, Ukraine is going to seek nuclear weapons to, for defense. All right. At that stage, <clears throat> uh, Putin did his speech nationally that night and said, it's the exact same scenario that justified us going into Iraq. Uh, he says this is not, uh, you know, boasting. They are going to, to put in nuclear weapons and right on our border. And he went in to defend the Donbass. Then you also have um, the shocking thing. And you can Google this too. Um, they had the Minsk agreement, which the Donbass was supposed to be allowed to vote uh, to separate. All right. And Germany, France, everybody was in. Okay, fine. They did the agreement. And people were asking, you know, Merkel, why didn't, don't you force Ukraine to honor the agreement? And she actually came out. I'm not sure if she's maybe just a little senile, but, um, she came out and said, oh, we never really intended that to happen. We just used it to buy time for Ukraine to build an army. And that was absolutely earth shattering because all of a sudden you have the West negotiating a treaty and then you stand up and said, well, we never really intended to carry that out. Why would you then negotiate any peace? Would China negotiate? negotiate peace with the United States or Europe, knowing that we just don't, if we don't really want to do it, we won't do it. I mean, I couldn't believe that she actually said that. And, but it, you can Google it. It's all over the press. And, you know, basically Putin had to go in to defend the Donbass. Uh, John McCain went over there in 2014. Victoria Newland, one of the real neocons, right there in Maidan, handing out food to people. As soon as they overthrew the government, the U.S. stuck in an interim government, not elected, and it was that government that automatically did what the U.S. said. They raised the army and sent the army to go attack the Donbass. They started the civil war. All right, not the Ukrainian people. They had no right to vote for it whatsoever. This was an interim government unelected that did it. So this whole thing has been uh, staged. It's been intended from the beginning. To have Merkel come out and said, well, we only did that to buy time for Ukraine to build up an army to go after Russia. I mean, this is, you know, duplicity on, on a grand scale. And, and as well, we might be dealing with Biden being compromised because of Hunter Biden's laptop. I mean, how much of that might have had to do with why they let uh, the big balloon float across gaining intel or whatever it was doing uh, across the entire United States? Uh, how else would that? Can you imagine Trump would have never, never allowed that? But Biden, uh -huh. la-di-da, you know. 
I mean, it's it's really beyond description on most of this stuff. I mean, we're, we're in lava land on, on so much. It's uh, but, but you know, the the neocons are running the White House at this point in time, and all they care about is defeating Russia. Um, even the climate change. John McCain is the one that started the climate change in Congress. Why? Because Russia's economy is 50% fossil fuels. That's how this whole thing started. It wasn't the Greens that everybody was listening to. It was the neocons that started this, and then the Greens were were there, okay? But, um, I mean, the Greens just have gotten insane. In Germany, they want, don't want nuclear, they don't want coal, and they don't want fossil fuel. So how are you supposed to, you know, just, you know, two people get together, they put a blanket and cuddle. That's about, that's your heat for the, for the winter. Um, I mean, you can't cut off everything. Right. And now it's, all, it's almost like the climate change, it's the new religion. Uh, it's what they're teaching the kids. It's what they're promoting. And they weren't able to successfully get us to buy into the vaccines, not enough people. And now everyone's going, all right, I'm not signing up for my third or fourth shot. No way. I'm beginning to hear that, you know, my, uh, you know, a distant family member's died or a personal family member or a colleague at work, and I'm not doing it. So now their next thing to get us locked into these 15-minute cities and all that kind of stuff is just push this climate change narrative that's just going to be hampering all of us and trying to stop us from traveling to our favorite parts of the world. Yes. I mean, that they don't want us traveling anymore. Um, they succeeded in getting people to work virtually. Uh, so almost 50% of the office space in New York City still remains vacant. Uh, it, it's, <clears throat> oh, it's wow. quite disastrous what they have done. Uh, and uh, it's a question about, you know, it, so many people have just been, you know, indoctrinated from this propaganda that they, they, they believe it. And, I mean, how many people still were walking around with masks on, you know, even though the Washington Post reported that all the studies from the Spanish flu show the masks didn't do anything. Um, it's, it's just, you know, kind of, um, it's sad, but... Society as a whole tends to be sheep. Uh, there is a, a book I would recommend. It's called Obedience to Authority by Stanley Milgram. Mm -hmm. And after World War II, people were saying, oh, well, the Germans are just different, you know, because they, they couldn't figure out how they just would kill all the Jews like that. And they said, oh, they're just different. So he conducted studies. Uh, he took people off the street and had an actor in there and said, every time he answers a question wrong, you have to keep increasing the electrical shock. And the actor would be screaming, please, not again, not again. I have to, I have to. And he showed basically from his studies that people will torture others if they think they are ordered to do so. And um, he put out a book, it's called Obedience to Authority. The amazing thing about, about what you're saying is that Lee Dundas, the lawyer Lee Dundas from the United States, uh, brought up this exact thing yesterday. And I think there's always reasons for that. We are a bunch of sheep. If someone in a white coat tells us to do something, even though it's hurting someone else, we'll just do it. That's how stupid we are. We have to, be, we have to get a higher level of awareness and, and a higher sense of what is right and, and you know listen to 
uh, for me, listen to God and not man, because man is leading us to hell in the handbasket. Well, maybe without even the handbasket, but yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's just it is very you know pathetic what is going on. I mean, I, I mean, I've dealt with governments for forty years, and I've never seen a crop of world leaders that is the worst ever in human history. I think. Um, I mean, you just look around the world. It, it's just it's the same thing everywhere. Uh, you know, you got Trudeau up there in, in Canada, New Zealand, I mean, Australia, I mean, everywhere you go. It's the really amazing. In Sydney, we got caught taking $10 million bribe from, from Pfizer, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's just ridiculous, the whole thing. And um, I don't, nobody really cares. They don't look at the long-term implications of this. Uh, and the same thing when they took out Saddam Hussein, oh, you know, people will be, you know, grateful to us. And, and they thought they were going to get a ticker tape parade. More civilians died. It was sectarian, you know, war, basically, uh, because they never understood the area. You had Shiite and Muslim, and you're not going to change that. Uh, and Sunni, I mean, it's... They'll always be fighting. You know, Mohammed's, uh, you know, the head of the state, the other one doesn't. I mean, um, it was kind of like, you know, the difference back in the, you know, Protestant Reformation. I mean, some things you just not, you can't, you know, get your hand around. And and they, they don't look at things like that. The same thing, you know, what they're doing to Russia. If they think that they can overthrow Putin, okay, fine. What's plan B? They don't have that, all right? They just, oh, we just have to conquer Russia. Well, Russia has more nukes than than the United States. Mm. You have so many different nationalities throughout Russia, all right? They all break off. They're all going to have nuclear weapons, and you're going to have about 30 different states all nuclear armed. I mean, you know, it it just makes no sense, you know? It doesn't. But these people do not look at you know, the next step. They really, they didn't do that with Saddam Hussein. Uh, yes, fine, dictator, but he kept this, you know, the religious people in check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take him out and they all went crazy. Wow. So true. And, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but I wish somebody had more wisdom. Uh, my final question for you is what we're watching in your southern border. So now, I thought I heard Hannity saying five million people have come in. That just seems crazy. I I just can't imagine what that would feel like. We are having people come into Canada as well at the Roxham Road um, open border that we seem to have, but it's not as many as that. I can't imagine feeling like your country is just being taken over and you have no control, and it's going to change the it's going to change the scenery forever. Uh, this is. Um, I, I'll tell you a story that what it's about. Uh, I actually had the mandate from Hong Kong because they knew I I knew the Australian government, and they asked me if I could negotiate to buy an island off the, off the coast of of Australia. And I met with uh, who became you know Prime Minister of Australia, um, Paul Keating, and. Everything I proposed, 
no, no, no. I've only said, look, okay, fine. You won't sell me the eye one. How about give me this the upper, you know, left-hand corner where there is nobody. Let them come in over there. No. And I finally said to him, I said, you know, is this racist? Uh, and because I had no explanation for why you would be saying no. I said, look, I got a, you know, a blank check here. I can pay off your national debt. No. So when I finally said, is this racist? He said to me, no. He says, they are fleeing communism. And so they will come here and they will vote conservative. He was a labor government. So they would not allow people from Hong Kong in because they were afraid they would change the political demographics profile of, of Australia. And this is the same thing. They're letting in all these people and they think that they will then vote Democrat. And they will overrule all the Republicans. That's what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a very sinister. Really it, but I've I've encountered this with Hong Kong and Australia as well. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, just shocking. The world is shocking. Uh, people are asking how they can follow you. We have armstrongeconomics.com. And sometimes it seems like you'll do conferences and things like that where you'll gather people together. And uh, you're always writing. People can sign up for your newsletter, it seems, here. And uh, also, I think you have some paid content and things like that. Is that correct? That that uh, yes. I mean, if they're really traders, they can go into our uh, Socrates system. Um, otherwise, the armstrongeconomics.com is open. You don't have to register, and we don't sell advertising on it. So it's right. just as a public service. Very nice. Very nice. And you've got so many great articles on uh, the pandemic. I see a picture of Bill Gates in the background and Klaus Schwab. You're always talking about these very important things to all of us right now as we realize that something's gone on that we didn't see coming. Maybe you and Socrates did, uh, but we're figuring it out slowly after, <laughs> you know, and uh, the good book figured it out and it knows what's going to happen. So I trust that. But I do really appreciate your take on things. It's always fascinating talking to you. And thank you very much for taking well, this time. Hope to have you on again, Martin. Yes, thank you, thank you very much for inviting me. It's uh, I, I've just been plucked down here in the world, and I've been in the middle of all these people. I, I actually know them. So <laughs> I know. It's really it's amazing, and your life is actually really amazing. And it's, it's nice to kind of get some perspective from you because um, it matters, and, and you do have sort of the an understanding deeper than a lot of people. So we appreciate you. Well, thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you. I like that man. It's very, very interesting. And, uh, of course, he's so brilliant, knows a lot about um, graphs, numbers, economy, what's going to happen. We didn't even talk about the economy, but we all know that's not good. I know because, of course, uh, when I go to buy my um, breakfast Wheaties, uh, they're far more than they used to be. So, and eggs, eggs, that bothers me a lot. Um, I want to just a couple videos that uh, we'll go over. So Marjorie Taylor Greene was calling for that national uh, divorce. Well, here's a video of Glenn Beck basically weighing in discussing a national divorce over a breaking um, of marriage vows. This is what- Should we have a national divorce? I wouldn't be against it, but uh, I'm the one that's keeping the kids. I think we're the ones that, you know, 
need to make sure we're not the ones that are violating the rules of this marriage. You are. You're the one stepping out on, on us. I'm living by my marriage vows. I'm living by the rules of the Constitution. And if your state is not, start standing up and demanding that they live by the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the U.S. Constitution. Well, yeah, if you're going to have to separate with a bunch of people, for us here in Canada, um, we got to keep the goodies because what's happening is it, it does seem that all of the, the best stuff, everyone picks the government over in Ontario and Quebec, and we get left basically ignored and uh, not being taken care of out here in the West. There is a growing movement, and it's a, it's a stunning movement, of Canada literally separating. And if Mr. Trudeau is not paying attention to that, he's, um, he's a fool. On the Dan Bongino show, ex-FBI assistant director doesn't want people to see the January 6th tapes due to conspiracy theories that may prove to be true. Mm, take a look. Here's Fugazi on MSNBC saying, man, this is, you know, this is really bad, them releasing these tapes. I mean, it can spur a bunch of conspiracy theories. Uh, conspiracy theories? I thought you're showing us the insurrection. What is it? Was it an insurrection or not? Here, take a look. The other concern, of course, obviously, is the security concerns that arise from false conspiracy theories. We know they are dangerous. We know they lead to violence. And so if, for example, this host on, on Fox decides to play only things that indicate uh, or allow him to blow up conspiracy theories. Oh, look, that looks like a Fed. Oh, look, it looks like someone instigated this. Oh, look, there's an hour of people doing nothing peacefully. Um, if that keeps going forward and it's ginned up into the notion that all the prosecutions are witch hunts against people uh, for, who were violent January 6th, then it could really pose a danger and a threat. This is amazing. You know, again, you wonder why credibility, the credibility of the FBI and any patina they had of credibility is now washed away and America doesn't trust them anymore. You've got people like Fugazi here, now MSNBC goofball, you know, claiming, well, they could selectively edit the content. You mean exactly like the January 6th committee did? You understand they did the exact same thing, right? So you want your selectively edited content out there. But other content that may or may not be selectively edited, you want that suppressed to keep your narrative going that this was somehow the largest insurrection in human history, the worst incident on U.S. soil since the Civil War. I love that. You know, this guy's so upset that some of the, the footage of what really took place there might also get out because they handpicked all of, you know, the few bad apples that were in there. And clearly some people, I guess, you know, uh, damaged things. And, and there were also, you know, people instigating things. Uh, and so they wouldn't want any of that footage to get out or be known. No, we want only our side of the story to get out. You know what? We're just sick of all of these fagazi types because what they're doing is they think that somehow they're God, like we're the little, the little people. We get shown what they want us to see and they give us the ideologies they want us to follow and the news they want us to know about, not the whole truth. Give us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but 
the truth. That's what it should all be. So that's why, you know, we've got all this confusion as well over transgenderism and, and all of that, because that side, oh, they never want anybody to show the stories of the detransitioners who said, this destroyed my life. They don't want you to see that side of it. They just want to promote, hey, you know, to, to the kids, you know, let's start you down a path of these cross-sex hormones and, and getting your, how many women are now getting their breasts removed really young, like not even 20 years old? I mean, you don't even have brains. I'm sorry, but it's true. Like you are just like a crazy person, right? Before you hit, I'm going to say 45. And, and now all of a sudden you can make all these decisions, uh, about how you think you want to spend the rest of your life and they're irreversible and doctors are promoting this. Oh, then they're finding out that um, a lot of people aren't happy after they've done all this stuff. You know, apparently your penis turned into a vagina is not really working for you. It's not giving you the joy you thought it might. In fact, it's really destroyed your life. And now, oh, don't put that content out. Guess who gets rejected in the LGBTQ? Shame on all of you. You know who you reject? You reject the people who are now trying to tell the truth that their transition didn't work. Oh, you guys don't want nothing to do with them. They are just absolutely kicked out of the club, right? Not in the club anymore. So um, Joe Rogan has this clip on detransitioning. Let's take a look at that. You know, everyone wants to talk about representation. Here's what's not represented at all in the mainstream media. People that have had a horrible experience having gender transition surgery and regret it deeply. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. It's not a small amount. It's a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's not a cut and dry thing. Look, if there was a way where we had some sort of genetic engineering, where, you know, some super advanced form of CRISPR, where uh, I could just decide I want to be a woman now, and then bam, now I have a double X chromosome, I have a vagina, I'm an actual woman, mm -hmm. like 100%, not surgery. And here's the other thing, it's like, if you're saying that you identify as a woman, that you're a woman, okay, why do you have to get an operation then? Right. What, why do you have to take hormones? Right. Like, why do you have to do all that stuff? And that stuff seems to be where all the problem lies because that is purely experimental, yeah. the, the, especially when it comes to children. Sad what the whole woke side of the country is doing and all of these, you know, really, uh, I just call them like uninformed and cowardly uh, parents who are just going along with this, teaching your children to be, you know, um, all accepting of all of this nonsense rather than saying, oh no, listen, by the way, kids, sorry you got taught that by that foolish teacher at school, but there is only boys and girls. Don't listen to any of it. Listen, I think I, I am of the opinion at this time that schools are not safe for your children. And if you have any thought at all about getting your kids out of public school, do it and do it quickly. The, the books they have in there, you won't even know what some activist teacher is saying because they should allow cameras in all the classes. I'm sorry, we got nanny cams because nannies are looking after our most uh, precious possession, our little babies, right? While you're at work, they've got these nanny cams. Hey, how about some nanny cams in with the teachers? What's wrong with that? Wouldn't that be beautiful in this day and age of uh, tracking and tracing that you're able to look in and see what your little Johnny is learning today and, and what the teacher is saying. And if you've got some woke activist teacher, and we know they're out there because they are 
pushing this like they don't even need to be told. They, they have got an agenda, and they usually have blue or green hair, by the way, and they are telling the kids that they can be gender fluid, and who's, they, there's no accountability because nobody even knows they're saying these to these kids, and the kids just sit there and they accept it because we've taught, oh, you know, we are teaching our kids about authority. This is a rough point. We're going to have to say, you need to adhere to the right kinds of authority, those who follow biblical principles, those who follow the ways that we think are right, kind, good, wonderful people, not people who are teaching crazy stuff, right? You got to teach your kids that some of those teachers in there do not have our values at all. Do not listen to them. And if you can, get your kids right out of there. Start a homeschool, get together with a bunch of, of uh, home homeschool parents and set up sort of timelines. This is going on, by the way. This is going on. And if you want to know more about it, let me know. I know in certain... Um, certain uh, cities now, they're beginning to put together, okay, so on, on certain days, uh, th- these parents are going to cover off these days, and they've got online learning, they can go on field trips, they can have a wonderful time, and hey, if you're a bunch of Christian schools, then you have somebody that's teaching the Word of God to your kids as well. That would be cool, right? Instead of that, you can change your gender, And boys are allowed in girls' bathrooms, a bunch of sickos, right? Get rid of it all. Have your, establish your own community. We are going to have to have a complete separate uh, community because we're turning into Sodom and Gomorrah in this world. I mean, our Canada, we got to stand up and fight for our Canada. One of the ways is we're going to say, you you know, we're going to give them a divorce and say, we're not having any part of your dumb teaching. The Bible, the word of God says, have nothing to do with those who partake in godless perversion, have nothing to do with them. And our poor kids, you know, just absolutely at the mercy of these evil and wicked speakers. It's horrible. So moving on, Senator Rand Paul questions leader Dr. Zanton from John Hopkins University, Johns Hopkins, isn't it? University about why American universities require three vaccines, yet other countries' universities have no mandates. What's going on? Uh, Dr. Zanton, are you uh, pro-choice with regard to patients making individualized medical choices? Broadly, thank you, yes. Are you uh, aware that your university is, uh, doesn't allow choice with regard to vaccination, that you require all of your students to have three vaccines in order to be students? Yes. So it's sort of choice, but not so much when regarding vaccination. Um, are you aware of the increased risk of myocarditis with the COVID vaccine, particularly with successive COVID vaccinations in uh, males between the ages of 16 and 24? Um, Senator, thank you for the question. I'm prepared to talk about the nursing crisis and well, that we you, have vaccine requirements across the board for well, a lot. Here's, of- here's the problem. If you exclude everybody from being a nurse who believes in basic immunology, you're going to include a lot of smart people, people who believe that you can get immunity from both vaccination as well as infection. And if you say, well, we're just not going to take the people who believe in that old-fashioned infection thing, providing immunity, we're only going to take the people who will do as they're told. She full well knows, I hope my sound's good, right? She full well knows that all this myocarditis and all of these things are happening, um, you know, 
sudden sudden death is happening, and she doesn't want to talk about that. I'm I'm here prepared to talk about the uh, the other crises, uh, not not things that I might get myself in trouble for or even lose my job. I'm fully vaccinated, but if I dare say yes, I know about myocarditis, myocarditis then maybe I'm going to actually <laughs> potentially lose my job. You know. Um, I was laughing, I will go on to one more about the uh, Thomasville prim Primary School next, but I was laughing at Tucker Carlson last night, basically, so Don Lemon has lost his job, because here is the wokest guy around, right, him and his gay partner, and just, you know, living the dream, being one of the main people on CNN, well, first he gets moved from his nighttime, you know, hosting show to being on with two other women, right, and the irony is you think that you're so protected, but what he did was he made a joke or, you know, really a misstep about a woman being in her prime. Oh, Google it. You can find out women are in their prime when they're in their, between their 20s and 30s, right? Well, these women are totally offended, right? And, uh, uh, you know, in maybe 40s, he says, then the lady's kind of like, oh, oh, 40s. Okay, great. I guess like I'm, you know, then then I'm okay. Um but just such an offensive thing when actually we're in our prime on this very day. All women, you are in your prime on this very day. Thanks, honey. <laughs> He's giving me a thumbs up. What a great husband, eh? What a great husband. So, um, you know, as I said, I'm hoping to be like in my prime at 85 because I will be able to say anything. Like when we do the show every day, I can really get away with it because everyone's going to be go, oh, she's just, she's just this little old lady. Just let her say whatever she wants, you know. I think that's the bomb. I'm going to be able to, you know, go in front of a large crowd, say anything I want. That That is my prime, I believe. So Don Lemon says, you know, women are in their prime uh, in these younger years. Well, it totally offended the female, um, you know, the female host that he was with. And so he thinks that he's kind of got all of this. Uh, Tucker, if, if I could make the, uh, carefully make the point of how he said it, like, Don Lemon, you know, like we've had this whole Black Lives Matter culture and all of that, but he came up against the, that agenda-driven um, woke culture because there's also this thing about women. So what happened to him was white women, and especially uh, women who would be offended, like maybe Nikki Haley, who's running for the presidency, and even though she's a Republican, she's she's a little bit lefty. And um, so... In, in him saying these things, he offended. Well, I think it was regarding Nikki Haley that this comment kind of came to light, right? So even though she's a Republican, so he thinks he's dissing the Republican Party. But in his woke agenda, he didn't understand that there is still a hierarchy. And when he dissed the women and the white women and Nikki Haley, he got the boot. He didn't, he was not able to stay in because the woke agenda has its little classes as well. And his class, it, it didn't, it didn't stand in the middle of a storm. And so he is on the out. Uh, very interesting. So Thomasville Primary School in North Carolina has had a shocking three teachers die in less than four months. I wonder what's going on. Students at Thomasville Primary School will have a remote learning day on Friday. This all coming as we've learned about the death of a third teacher from the school in just a little more than three months. The first was on November 14th with the death of the second grade teacher Andrea White Hunter. Then on January 13th, kindergarten teacher Eva Shetley died. And just this past Saturday, second grade teacher Terry Register passed away. 
School officials have not said how they died, but say each teacher did have health concerns. The school will be providing resources for parents, students, and staff members impacted by their deaths. So Dr. Mack is now reporting in Canada over 134 uh, deaths of doctors. Um, there's over 10,000 excess deaths going on in Alberta. And uh, he's now looking at the student population now rising um, inexplicably. I wonder what it could be. We, we know. <clears throat> Canadian Liberal Party's Anthony Housefather uh, inadvertently admits everything wrong that the government has done in the vaccine launch during the pandemic. Take a look. These agreements require employees of the government of Canada that access these documents to sign confidentiality agreements. And why is that? Why is there much more redactions, as my colleague said, in these documents than in other documents? It's because these documents were signed at the beginning of a pandemic, when everybody was desperate for vaccines, when companies were being told to rush vaccine production, do testing in an unprecedented way, in a way they normally don't do it. So these companies were exposed to way higher liability, putting their products on the market than they normally would because they didn't do the type of testing that normally takes these drugs years to come to market. They did it all in less than a year. So that's why these companies said, if I'm going to deliver you this product that I haven't tested in my normal way, I, I want to have different conditions. And with companies, all countries around the world competing with each other to get these, the countries had less leverage than they normally do. For example, if we were entering into flu vaccine contracts or monkeypox contracts or other things that were normally available, this would be a different issue. But these are already signed. They were signed at a time the government didn't have that leverage in negotiations. We just wanted to sign as many vaccine contracts with as many producers as possible because Canadians were desperate for vaccines. And in the end, it worked out. We got vaccines and we were one of the countries that got to vaccinate everybody the fastest. And now, and now we all know after we covered this last week that there's so many vaccines that, you know, really, there's too many vaccines. Uh, we don't need any more vaccines because the uptake uh, on the people getting this third, fourth, or fifth booster, the way that they want to get you, uh, potentially um, one of the, you know, people involved in all of this in the government was saying maybe every three or four months. I mean, what a load of bunk. What a load of bunk, right? You know, the truth's all coming out. I hope that you know that, and I hope you feel good about it. The truth is absolutely all coming out. My name's Laura Lynn Tatter-Thompson. My website is lauralynn.tv. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, if you like this kind of content that we present every single day, uh, it takes a lot to make this happen, and we rely on good people uh, to help us out. And so we appreciate if you're able to make a donation. If you could become a monthly donor, that would be spectacular and wonderful and much appreciated. Um, if you could make a one-time donation, that is awesome. So you go to lauralyn.tv, there's a donation button down there, and uh, you can be anonymous. You don't need to let us know who you are. Uh, although we like it because we like to say thank you. And we sure, sure do need it. And we appreciate that you value uh, what we're doing because we think that it is a battle. And without knowledge, the people perish. And so we're in a huge battle to ensure that the truth is told. And here we stand by the word of God first and foremost. We love to have experts. We love doctors. We love having people like Martin Armstrong on. 
and you should see the lineup for this next coming month. I was on a, uh, you know, a meeting call with um, Toby Carson, who just badgers me incessantly to make sure we're having those calls to, you know, do you want to book so-and-so? Like, uh, she is on it, and I just love her. Um, man, I, you know, I have to try to keep up. Um, and the caliber of guests that we're getting is just spectacular. The truth that we're able to tell, you won't see this on CBC, but you might be able to share this with your friends who need some alternate news and some real truth. So your support helps our um, email for email transfer. And if you want to send me a note, is Live at protonmail.com or even Live at... Um, gmail.com. That one works as well. Both of them work. And uh, I love hearing from you. Snail mail also works. It's box 48184, New Westminster, BC. Is it V3MOA1? It's on the website there. I really wanted a graphic for so long, but it's been hard to get a graphic for that. But at the end of the show, we actually, it does come up, doesn't it? Right, JT? It comes up at the end of the show. If you kind of for, fast forward to the end, it's on the graphic at the end. Um, if you're interested in gold and silver right now, who we trust is Steve Merrill with Sun City Silver and Sovereign Eyes at protonmail.com is his website. He's fantastic, answers all your questions. He's been in this business for a couple decades and uh, he's fabulous, knows what he's talking about, is watching all the trends and it seems to be that a good safe place to have your funds you know, secured would be in an investment in gold and silver, silver being kept artificially low. Uh, it's a 50-year low, just being kept artificially low. Some people saying the prediction is when all the monetary reset or some things blow up, that silver is going to be the one that gains. So we hope for that. I wanted to read to you today Mark 5, and it's about Jesus restoring a demon-possessed man. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tomb to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You see the demons that were inside of this man, how would he know who Jesus is? There's no, you know, there's no news, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he wasn't watching the, the nightly local news knowing that there was a man named Jesus around, not at all. No one went near him. No one went, you know, would even <clears throat> touch him because they would get beaten up by him. He was completely possessed and a dangerous person. And um, so how did he know to run to this man, Jesus, and fall on his knees? And he says, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Well, that was the spirits inside of him because they knew, right? They knew exactly who he was. There are familiar spirits all around us. There are these demonic forces that communicate, that have a whole, a whole underworld going on. If we could sometimes be able to see what's happening in the spirit world, I think it could be pretty frightening. 
But the beautiful thing is, is that when you're protected by God and you are operating in his power and you have allowed Jesus Christ to be on the throne of your heart, you are unencumbered and unaffected by the demonic world. Uh, they do try. They try to give you worry, anxiety, but because you have the blood of Jesus covering you, you are protected from these demonic forces. And yet this man, he was just so consumed and, and demonized by these spirits, he knew who Jesus was. In God's name, don't torture me, he cried out. Don't torture me, you're here, because he knew the power of Jesus, the only power that can truly set a demoniac free. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. It's not just one demon, you know, demonic spirit inside. This is like legions of them had infested this man. Somehow he had left an opening for the devil to absolutely wreak havoc on his life. And so he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. So there was a large herd of pigs that were feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, because they don't like to be outside of a body, they like to be in a body, if you study demonology. So send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. So he gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off. I mean, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. Can you imagine uh, those uh, pig herders? You know, they never seen a day like this in their whole life. I mean, they've been doing this for years, watching the pigs, making sure the pigs are okay. All of a sudden on this certain day, this man named Jesus shows up and all of these pigs go wild. Because why? Because one man got set free from a legion of demons. In the name of Jesus, let that be all of our stories, that we are set free and completely relieved of all of that. See you tomorrow, everyone. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me today.